This is the On The Banks Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation. Now, here's your host, Lance Glenn. Hello, everyone. I am, of course, your host, Lance Glenn, and this is episode 27 of the On The Banks Podcast. If you don't already, you can follow me on Twitter at Lance underscore G11. And, of course, you can follow On The Banks on Twitter as well at OTB underscore SB Nation. If you want to listen to any of our previous episodes, you can find them on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. Just search On The Banks Podcast. You can find them on SoundCloud. Just search OTB underscore SB Nation. And, of course, you can find all of our episodes at OnTheBanks.com. We are now right in the thick of this winter sports season. All these winter sports are flying by, and the spring season is slowly coming towards us. For all your coverage of every Rutgers team competing currently and the ones right now in their offseason, make sure to go to onthebanks.com. I hope that everyone had a happy new year. I am very excited for all the great things we will do here at On The Banks in 2019, and I look forward to all the guests we will have on the podcast. For episode 27, our first episode of the new year, I am pleased to be joined by the voice of Rutgers men's basketball, Jerry Recco, to discuss the team entering Big Ten play. Of course, you can hear Jerry alongside Joe Boylan on every Rutgers game on the Rutgers IMG Sports Network, and you can hear him every morning on WFAN. Rutgers basketball ended the 2018 year 7-5 and and head into traditional Big Ten play on a two-game winning streak, beating Columbia and Maine. This team now obviously has had their fair share of ups and downs in non-conference play, highlighted by the Miami win and, of course, brought down by the loss to Fordham. But we knew because of how young this team is that there would be games that excite you and, of course, games that would make you want to pull your hair out. But now come the real tests. Big Ten conference play beginning with Maryland tomorrow. Remember, this team is young, inexperienced, and still limited in certain areas. Therefore, I think expectations need to be tampered. If you are going into Big Ten play expecting 8, 9, even 10 Big Ten wins, you need to relax. Those are unrealistic expectations. I hope that happens as well, but you need to be more realistic. I think this team more likely will finish with 4 to 6 Big Ten wins, but will continue to be more competitive in the games that they unfortunately do not win. Now remember, this is only year 3, and the most important thing this season is that progress continues. Be patient, enjoy the rebuild, and trust the program that Coach Peichel and his staff are putting into place. Time to talk to the reporters. Here's your host, Lance Glenn. He is the voice of Rutgers men's basketball, and you can hear him every morning on WFAN. I am pleased to be joined now by Jerry Recco. Jerry, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. You got it, Lance. How are we doing? I'm good, Jerry. So let's look at the team overall, right? Seven and five, coming off two straight wins as they head into Big Ten play Saturday against Maryland. From seeing this team the first 12 games of the year, what are your initial thoughts on the way they play? You know, I've noticed a lot more threes than in years past, obviously a lot younger. What's your take on Steve Peichel's squad now that non-conference schedule is over? Uh, young, growing, and getting better. Uh, and in terms of the threes, it's really kind of the way the game has gone. You know, it seems like gone are the days of the big seven-foot center playing with his back to the basket in the low post and you know, that little turnaround 10-foot jump shot, it really has become, if you can hit the three, you're going to win games. I mean, it's that simple. And if you can hit the three, you can upset teams and you can do things. And what Steve Peichel is obviously trying to do and what he is in the process of doing is getting shooters in 
And I think you are starting to see that. They are really young. We know that. And I think there have certainly been some growing pains. But the one thing uh, that I have enjoyed with this team is watching them compete night in, night out. I know the start against Columbia wasn't great, but they grinded that game out. Columbia, I think, is going to surprise some teams. They're, they're actually pretty good, uh, regardless of what their record says. They played a tough schedule. I think they're going to be a good team, though. Uh, Jim Engels will do a good job there. Uh, but I think for the most part, Rutgers has played well, and I think they're a young team getting better. Through the first 12 games of the season, to you, what I guess have been the biggest surprises, right? Is it a player or two maybe that you didn't expect to make as big an impact as, as they have? Is it the way the team has been playing? What have been some of the biggest surprises through the first half of the year? I think the biggest surprise has been Shaq Carter, to be quite honest with you. Um, I didn't know what to expect from him, and when he didn't see the floor all that often early on you kind of figured he'd work his way in and I think it was the game if I remember correctly I think it was the game at Wisconsin where he kind of burst on the scene and you know we saw a shoot around that he was getting a lot of reps but you know we see that a lot too with other players and you don't necessarily expect it and then that night he played you know he didn't play 35 minutes but the minutes he gave they were quality they were productive he played tough and he gave him a different element uh, he's been, to me, a pleasant surprise. I've really enjoyed watching him play. Uh, a lot of the newcomers have really contributed. Some have been a little slower to get going, but I think you're starting to see guys find it now. You know, Caleb McConnell is really starting to find his way. I think Montez Mathis is playing well. Peter Kiss has been up and down, but for the most part, you see the potential. And I know he's not, you know, an incoming freshman. He's a transfer, and he's got some years under his belt, but you can see what he can be and what he can bring. Uh, I think Geo is handled being the quote unquote, you know, marked man quite well. When the shot's going down, he's as good as anybody. Um, and I enjoy the way he gets the team up and down the floor. I think, uh, and I don't want to run down the roster, but I, you know, <laughs> look inside, I think Shaq, Shaq Dorson has played where the rebounding has been great. Miles has been good. So I think Shaq Carter to me has been the biggest surprise, I guess, to answer your question. So look, obviously this team is one of the youngest in the nation and they have, you know, new faces, uh, that have to obviously gel with returning pieces from last year and the year before. But what's your impression on the growth and the development of those younger guys? You mentioned some, uh, Kayla McConnell, Montez Mathis, Peter Kiss, Miles Johnson, obviously good and bad moments. But how do you think some of those freshmen and those newcomers have gelled with the players who returned, obviously, from past years? I think they've gelled well. I mean, you look at the games you know, so far that they've played, uh, at a conference, uh, the game at Miami, I mean, a lot of contributions up and down the floor, a lot of contributions defensively. You see Steve Peichel's rotation. It is different from game to game, to game, depending upon the matchup, depending upon what he sees out of the other team, what he thinks his team can do. Um, to me, one of the things uh, that I really enjoy watching him from afar, meaning the press box or the press area that's you know up at the 200 level at the rack or when we're courtside, is watching the wheels turn and watching the way he tries to figure out who plays with who. And I think we're starting to see that come together as we go through the first couple of months. Uh, one of the things that I have talked to Coach about, uh, if you go back to right before the season uh, in you know early to mid-November, I remember asking him during one of the pregame interviews, like, how long is it going to take you to try and figure this out? And, you know, he said it's going to take as long as it's going to take. Had a good idea, and I think we're starting to see that. But I do think that the younger guys are starting to find their way. Uh, you know, now it gets tougher. You know, they got a couple of Big Ten games. They're, the rest of the stretch is all Big Ten, and it's a different beast. But I think that the first couple of months has been a good growing experience. 
let's start with some of those young guys. Obviously, the three true freshmen that came in the last recruiting class, Montez Mathis, Caleb McConnell, and Ron Harper Jr., they've all shown flashes, but I think, you know, they've also shown signs of being freshmen with some inconsistencies. Is that what you expected from these three, or have they maybe even exceeded your expectations considering, look, Coach, you mentioned it, he's not afraid to, to play them in the big spot, and he's not afraid to play them in significant minutes. No, and Harper's one, and I failed to mention him before. He's another one where you can see the potential. And I'm, obviously, his dad uh, was a great NBA player, but you know he stands on his own. And when he can get it going, I've seen him in practice. When he gets it going, you know he can be lethal for this team. Now he struggled to start, but going back to your original point, they're freshmen. Um, it's not going to come easy, not at this level. And I think ultimately they'll be fine. Uh, Harper is someone that. You know, when you look at this league and we go back to that original point of shooting threes, they're going to need him to, to hit shots from the outside. There's really no way around it. That's what he was kind of here to, to do, and I think ultimately he will. It's his first couple of months. Uh, but I do like the potential you see out of Harper. McConnell, as we said, has gotten better through the first couple of months. I know those first few games in November, you're kind of like, seemed a little out of sorts. Maybe the game, you know, Joe Boylan, my partner, would say the game might have been just a tick too fast for him. And now we're really seeing it slow down where when he's on the floor, he's kind of cha- taking charge of the offense. You know, you saw numerous times in the game against Maine, he's running the point, which is freeing Geo Baker up on the wing, which you love to see that. So I think McConnell is getting better and better. And then with Montez Mathis, I feel like he's been doing good things right from the start. Uh, and I think, you know, great things are to come. So overall, from those three, I think it's pretty much gone the way you would expect as freshmen coming in. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because you mentioned earlier that obviously the game has changed where no longer is it the seven-footer down low, uh, back to the basket, you know, feeding feeding the big guys. It's it's now a three-point game. But I think this year's team is so unique because of just how big they are. And they have kind of an abundance of guys who are 6'10 and 7 feet. You know, Shaq uh, Dorson, Shaq Carter, Miles Johnson, Issa, Eugene, they all have great size. What are your thoughts on that advantage that, I guess, Rutgers kind of has, even though it's changed to more of a three-point kind of game? Do you think they maybe use that strength of the size that they have enough offensively, or do you think they need to get those bigs more involved? I think that, I think when you get into the Big Ten, um, I think that size advantage, when they have it, is going to be most notable on the defensive end and the defensive glass. You know, you can't give other teams two and three opportunities at the rim. You know, it's that simple. If you're going to win games in the Big Ten, you've got to limit the other team to one chance, and you've got to rebound the basketball. Now, it's been mostly non-conference play, and I know that, and they have had a size advantage for sure. Um, But I think, and we've seen that offensively too, but I think if they are going to compete at that level, that to me, first and foremost, more so than the scoring, They've got to rebound the basketball, and I think this team uh, is equipped to do that, and I think that's why they'll have a chance in a lot of these games to win them. In terms of the offensive end, Miles Johnson to me looks so talented offensively that I think he can be a weapon uh, as we go forward. I think you know, as much as it probably hurt to not play last year as he was redshirted, boy, he really is something offensively, and we've seen it in glimpses. I'd like to see it you know, for 20 or 30 minutes a night so I think that that size advantage will help him when he has it. But I really believe the size comes into play defensively and on the glass. Clean up that glass, keep that rebounding edge, and it will keep them in game. Look, you know, huge expectations were obviously placed on Geo this year. And look, for good reason after what he did last year. 
However, he has obviously had to adjust to being on the ball most of the time this season, running the offense, unlike last year when he had Corey next to him. How do you think he's done with that adjustment this season? Does it seem to you that maybe being on the ball all game, he's gotten a little bit more exhausted than when he was primarily off the ball last year? It's hard. I mean, you know, you look at the game at Miami, he barely came off the floor, and he was a large reason uh, as to why they won that game. You know, the big block chasing around, I forget the kid's name, on the Hurricanes, amazingly enough, the game was a few weeks ago, and you forget already, but um, he chased that kid around all night, and yeah, I think he was tired. He had some games where he was playing back-to-back games, 39 minutes, 40 minutes, 38 minutes. Uh, At the same time, he's 19 years old, he'll be fine, Uh, but yeah, I think he's a little tired once in a while. I think You know, December was interesting because when you go back to November and they played a bunch of games, uh, we talked a lot about that three-game stretch in five days, which I thought was absurd. Uh, And then you turn the calendar to December, and they essentially played five games in a month, which is just weird. I think in the long run, that's going to do him and this team really well. You talk about the minutes he's logging. He's had some rest time, you know, in between these games in December. So I think he'll be okay. I do think he's handled it well. I know the shooting of late has not been good, and I did mention that to Coach in our pregame chat before the main game. I forget exactly what the numbers were, but his last five games he's shooting at around 33 34%. He would be the first to tell you that's not good enough. Um, but we also saw early on in the season when the shot's going down, he's, good, he's as good as anybody. And I would expect more of that as we've now turned the calendar. You know, look, when uh, Coach Peichel took over, obviously, a couple seasons ago, uh, he really built this program on rebounding and defense. I think the one spot that has really lacked for them over the couple of years, or at least been inconsistent at times, has been offensively. You know, sometimes they struggle to score points. They go through these long stretches where they just, it seems like they can't hit a shot. Do you think that's more of just a matter of bad luck where things aren't falling? Do they need to look for high percentage shots? You know, what what does Rutgers need to do now to improve offensively going into Big Ten play? Make shots. <laughs> <laughs> that simple. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it is because you look at a game, and it's just because it's the most recent one. You look at the game against Maine, and while they wound up winning that game comfortably in the end, you know, there were stretches in that first half where guys were just missing wide-open shot after wide-open shot. You know, for this team to be good, and I'm not placing all of it on his shoulders, you know what you're going to get from Eugenio Marie. The guy is going to be a beast on the glass. He's going to give you a double-double almost every night. And if not, he's going to be pretty darn close to it. Uh, you pretty much know what you've got there. If Geo Baker's shot is off, he's still going to do a lot of different things that are going to help you win. The fact of the matter is, If they are going to win games, they need guys like Issa Chom and Peter Kiss to do what they're essentially here to do, and that's knock down threes and long jumpers, especially when they're open. We've seen Issa do it, so we know he's capable of it. Now, I know he was battling. I know he wasn't feeling great the last few games. You hope that he's all good now and that things come together. Uh, For Peter, we've seen the glimpses. When he gets it going, look out. Uh, I think consistency is the biggest key. Uh, in terms of this team, you can't have those nights where you shoot, you know, two for 17 from three. got no chance to win. If they could find some consistency, they will be fine. But to, yeah, answer your question, they've got to shoot the ball better. And that's been something going back to Steve's first year uh, we knew. And that's why he's recruited the players he has. They're, you know, in the case of the three we talked about, uh, they're young kids. You expect them to get better. But, yeah, you got to shoot the ball. You can't win every game on defense and rebounding. Not in this league. It'll keep you in games. Ultimately, you need to shoot to win. And I'll give you one example of a game that they should have won and didn't 
because they couldn't shoot or they struggled from the outside a little bit. I'll go back to last year in East Lansing against Michigan yes, State. the overtime game. They, yeah. uh, they played a remarkable basketball game, had a chance to win late. And, and not to put Corey was great last year, but he misses a wide-open three you know, at the buzzer. And you go from winning a game that you grinded out, had no mirror, a double-digit underdog. Michigan State was supposed to win. Here comes Rutgers battling you to the end if you just shoot the ball a little bit better. And, you know, it wasn't that much of a contested shot, if I, if I remember correctly. That's the difference between being a good and average team to being a great team. So, yeah, shoot the basketball better, and they'll be a much better team. So, look, Big Ten play obviously starts this weekend against Maryland. And granted, it's already technically begun with two games earlier in the season. But to me, it really starts, at least traditional Big Ten play uh, starts this weekend. Obviously, you know, the conference has teams with lots of height as well as great front court and backcourt play. So many ranked teams, it seems like, in the conference this year. What do you think uh, are two or three things Rutgers must improve upon from non-conference play in order to be successful in the Big Ten? You may have already mentioned in, you know, offense, shooting. But, you know, obviously the Big Ten's a different animal. You said it before. What does Rutgers have to do to take that next step in the Big Ten this season? Well, I'll give you one thing that I think needs to happen for them to be a good team in the Big Ten. And I think this goes for any team at any level, but especially in this league, um, whether it's been on the road, at home, and that is avoiding, I guess it's, it's two-parter, A, avoiding the scoring drought. If that means when the shots aren't falling, getting to the foul line, and that's another thing, shooting free throws, but avoiding the, the, the scoring droughts. You know, every team's going to go through a couple of minutes, three minutes where they don't make a field goal. You can't go seven, eight minutes and a half without scoring or hitting a shot and expect to win. That's number one. Number two, you got to stop the big runs. You can't allow a team those 14-0, 16-1 runs where a close game becomes all of a sudden this double-digit deficit that you're staring at, and these teams are behemoths. I mean, they're all so deep. They're all so good. If you can stop the run, stop the bleeding defensively when the other team is starting to feel it a little bit and kind of knock them off their game, and if you can avoid those long stretches of scoreless play, I think they will have chances to win games for sure. You are right. This league, and you know, you knew it from afar. I mean, I did Ivy League basketball for 11 years. Um, much different, obviously. You knew these teams for, from afar were, were really good. I got to tell you, Lance, watching them on a week-in, week-out basis, a couple of games a week, whatever it is, going to places like Michigan State, Iowa, Purdue, you name it, these are tough, tough environments, number one. And number two, all these teams are so good. There is never, ever, ever, ever a night off in this league. It doesn't matter if you're playing – the 12th team in the league or the first, you've got to be ready to play. And if you're not, you're going to get your doors blown off. So, Jerry, what to you, I guess, would then constitute a successful Big Ten season? Is it a certain amount of wins? Are you looking for, you know, development, possibly, you know, an upset, another tournament run like they had last year? What would make this Big Ten season successful in your mind? I think if you do better than last year, I think it's all part of the growth. You know, year one, I thought was a, was a success with the Peichel regime in with essentially none of his own players. And I thought he got a group that struggled clearly the year before. There were some additions, of course, but I think he got a group to play hard and play good defensive basketball that allowed them to keep the score down, knowing they had offensive deficiencies. 
he got them to play a style that allowed them to compete. And I thought that was a good first step. I thought last year, I thought the Big Ten play last year, or let me say results, because I thought they played hard in almost every game, and they were in most of them. I think, I even think they would say they were a little disappointed with the way the Big Ten schedule went. But then the tournament comes, and all of a sudden it's kind of what we expected. And, you know, Corey had a big couple of games, and they did a lot of good things. And so there was marked improvement uh, year two from year one. I think year three is about improving on that Big Ten schedule and results, and I think this team is equipped to do it. I don't think it'll be easy. I don't think that they're going to go win the Big Ten. I think this is another step towards getting there. Um, But I think we've seen enough that this team can be better than they were last year. doesn't mean they're going to go, you know, eight games over 500 in the Big Ten. Um, Time will tell. We'll see. But I think they can be better than last year, and I think that has to be the goal right now, another step in the process. You know, now that we're 12 games uh, through the season, non-conference play is over, who would be your MVP so far for this team and why? Uh, I think it's got to be Omaruyi just because he's so darn consistent. Uh, You've had other guys that have put together really good efforts, but, you know, like I said earlier, you look at a box score of every game, you know, Eugene Omaruyi is literally – 15 points, 9 rebounds every game. 17 points and 10. He'll give you, I think in one game he had 24 and 12. He'll give you even a night, like even this weekend against Maine. He wasn't great, and Joe Boylan even said it on the post game when we were running down the numbers. And I forget exactly what they were. I want to say he had 15 or 16 points and I think 8 rebounds, something along those lines. And even he said, boy, he goes, that's a quiet day for Eugene, and that's a compliment because you've come to expect it, actually. And he just kind of goes about his business. He plays hard, and he's putting up his numbers. To me, he's been their most consistent player, uh, and the game right now is kind of running through him. So he would be my early season MVP for this team. So, Jerry, a couple more before I let you go. You know, I remember as a student here at Rutgers, I was you know very involved with WRSU. I was a broadcaster during my four years here, and I was sports director last year before I graduated I particularly enjoyed traveling to Lincoln, Nebraska, and to Iowa City. I know the Big Ten is obviously in the Midwest, and a lot of the schools are basically in the middle of nowhere, but what would you say is your favorite trip to go on in conference play? What's your favorite Big Ten destination and why? That's a good one. Uh, There's only one I haven't been to yet, and that's Indiana. I missed that game uh, a couple of years ago for, uh, no, I guess it was last year, I guess I missed it. Uh, for doing something else for work. Um, so having not seen Indiana yet, because I would think that that would wind Assembly up Hall would be one it, of my yeah. favorites. It's uh, a great question. Boy, oh boy. To me, there was just mm. something about Lincoln. I, I don't know what it was. I went to Lincoln, I think, three or four times. To me, there was something about Lincoln that just, I enjoyed being there. It was small, obviously, well, in the middle of nowhere, but I enjoyed we being there. You know what, though, Blance? We weren't there long enough last year. Our plane left late. We got in late, and it was an early afternoon game. I will say that arena is yes. spectacular. Yes, uh, I, I did like that. Uh, I'm going to go with probably the Purdue trip just because I find that arena uh, probably my favorite one. Just the way it's situated. Uh, this, I mean, you know, I'm not going out on these trips. So in terms of the city, <laughs> I couldn't tell you. I honestly, it's bus to hotel, to bus to arena, yes. back to hotel, and to the, uh, to to the, the plane. plane. So I can't really give you much on the cities, but I would say my favorite arena so far is definitely at Purdue. It's just situated really cool, kind of sunken down. I like the luxury seats courtside that they have. 
uh, really cool environment. So Purdue would be my favorite, I would say. Well, for me, I was there at Purdue last year when they played as well, and uh, I had an extended stay there uh, because we went uh, for WRCU. Uh, we're going to head back and then found out that our plane was canceled because of the snow that happened uh, here last year. So I had, I think, an extra two days in West Lafayette, which you know I'm sure you can imagine was just you know everything to do in West Lafayette, Indiana. Uh, <laughs> go find an Applebee's. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jerry, last one, last one. You know, in the first few seasons you've been on the call for Rutgers basketball, you have obviously seen, you know, quite a few exciting, intense games that this team has been a part of, both on the winning and losing side. You know, are there one or two over the years that have really stuck out to you? Yeah, Seton Hall, last year at the Rack. I mean, that's not even, you know, Penn's, the win at Penn State on the road a couple of years ago. Uh, it was pretty awesome that they won, you know, a road conference game in the Big Ten. That was obviously a big deal. Uh, one thing that really stood out to me was after the long bus ride back, uh, which was, boy, oh, boy, I would say we we had to have gotten back at around 2 o'clock in the morning somewhere with there with that four-hour bus ride back that, you know, the bus pulls into the rack parking lot. It's empty. It's dark. And there's Pat Hobbs waiting to congratulate every player and every coach, which I thought was awesome. I don't, I don't know why. That just struck me as really cool. Uh, that win was great, but the Seton Hall win at the rack last year, and I know it's not a Big Ten win, I get it, but that environment was electric, just like it was at the Rock this year. I thought the environment was really cool. You can see how geared up the students are for the game, the fans, the alumni, the Seton Hall fans were there. That by far has been the coolest moment. And I know playing at the Garden and winning a couple of games at the Garden was neat. That's all well and good. To me, a packed rack is awesome. And that was one that I probably won't forget for a while. Well, hopefully you get that same packed rack experience this Saturday because I think the Maryland game is a sellout. So I'm sure people will be loud and it'll be electric as they uh, hope Rutgers obviously upsets uh, the Terps. You can listen to him on the call for Rutgers men's basketball alongside Joe Boylan on the Rutgers IMG Sports Network. And, of course, you can listen to him every morning from 6 to 10 a.m. on WFAN. Jerry, thanks so much for coming on and for giving us some of your time on the podcast. Anytime, Lance. Enjoy, man. Thanks. I want to thank Jerry for coming on the podcast. I am excited to see what this team does going forward in Big Ten play and how they progress against the upper echelon of the conference, such as Michigan, Purdue, and, of course, others. We have seen this team compete against the likes of Michigan State and Wisconsin already, and of course they put up valiant efforts in both games. The schedule, however, does not get easier in Big Ten play, unfortunately. Besides Michigan, Purdue, Wisconsin, and Michigan State, Rutgers has the likes of Iowa, Indiana, Ohio State, Nebraska, and others to contend with, all ranked teams. What I think is paramount this season, however, is that Rutgers competes and beats the teams they currently compare to in the conference. Teams like Penn State, Illinois, Northwestern, Minnesota, and others. Rutgers needs to be competitive with those teams at home and on the road and defeat those teams both at the rack and in the Midwest. Remember, enjoy the process this season. This team is going to grow up a lot and will have some games where they look fantastic and some games that make you scratch your head. It happened in non-conference play. It's going to happen in Big Ten play. But realize that this program still has a lot of building to do, and while the talent is increasing each year, there is still a gap. This season may not be filled with an NIT or any other tournament, but it is an important one for the growth of the young players they have. And as long as that happens, I am confident success will come to this men's basketball team here on the Banks. 
Follow On The Banks on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Just search On The Banks Podcast.